Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. I'm also the founder and CEO of Norada Real Estate Investments. And this is something that I love doing is putting out this content that relates and connects to real estate investing and personal development and finance. And I'm really excited about today's guest because it ties in to what we do on so many levels in our life, not just business and not just real estate investing, but these are essentially the keys to your business and real estate business success. And my guest today is the best-selling author of The E-Myth, Michael Gerber, and he has multiple books. He has authored, I believe, 20 or 22 books. I have to go back to Amazon and check. But he is one of my mentors from many years ago because I remember reading his books, The E-Myth Revisited specifically, and the takeaways I had from that really changed how I looked at things and my perspective. And it affected me in not just business, but real estate, real estate investing. And when you understand the concepts, very simple principles and concepts in his book, you really have a new framework or a new lens that you can look at the world through that will help you become more successful in the things that you work on and what you do in terms of business and investing. So with that, I want to introduce my guest and just dive right into everything that we're going to talk about today. It is my pleasure to welcome Michael E. Gerber to the show. Michael is an American author and founder of Michael E. Gerber Companies, a business skills training company based in Carlsbad, California. A few of his great books include the small business classic, The E-Myth, as well as Awakening the Entrepreneur Within. Now, here's some interesting stats about his book, The E-Myth. It was originally published in 1986. It has sold literally millions upon millions of copies. And in 2011, it was named the best-selling business book of all time. It has sold in 145 countries. It was translated into 29 languages and taught in 118 universities. That is unbelievable. And Inc. Magazine calls Michael the world's number one small business guru. And with that, Michael, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. Michael, it's an honor to have you on. I actually read your book, The E-Myth, long, long, long time ago, and it really changed my perspective on business. I didn't really look at business being layered the way you have it and how you kind of migrate from being this technician of a person, and you are the business, and then you ultimately, to succeed in business, you morph that into becoming something that is not you anymore, like you've disconnected yourself from the business. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's start with you. I would assume that most of our audience knows who you are or has at least heard of you. But for those that don't know, let's start off with a little bit about your journey, because I know you stumbled into the world of small business. So tell us how your journey started. <laughs> well, it was very, very simple, and it was a complete accident. I was on my way from one place in California to Northern California, and we stopped over at my brother-in-law's home to say hi. We hadn't seen him for a couple of years. And what started out as just dropping off and saying hi, ended up staying there for a couple of weeks <laughs> because Ace, my brother-in-law and I had just in some way 
wonderful synergy between our philosophies on life. And Ace thought I was just radically supreme in what I was doing. And I thought Ace was just a fascinating guy. In any case, Ace came to me and he said to me, Michael, I'd like you to come and visit one of my clients. Ace owned a small ad agency in Silicon Valley. And he said he can't convert our leads into sales. Would you come and meet with him? And I said, well, I don't know why I would do that, Ace. First of all, I don't know anything about business. This was before Michael Gerber and business. And I certainly don't know anything about high tech. He said, Michael, you know more than you think you do. So just for the sake of our friendship, just come and meet with them and let's see what happens. So I did. And Ace introduced me to Bob, his client. Ace said to Bob and Michael, look, I'm taking off for an hour. I'll come back and pick Michael up, get to know each other. And he took off. So there with Bob, not knowing anything about business and Bob not knowing anything about me. And he asked me, what do you know about my business, Michael? And I said, nothing, Bob. (laughs) And he said, well, what do you know about our product? And I said, less than that, Bob. And he said, well, Michael, if you don't know anything about my business and if you don't know anything about my product, how can you help me? And I said, I haven't a clue, Bob. Ace thinks I can. You like Ace. I like Ace. And we got an hour to kill. So let's see what happens. And that's essentially what happened. I started the conversation with Bob by asking questions. And the assumption was on my part that I didn't know anything about business and that Bob did because he owned one. But every single time I asked him a question, Bob would give me an anecdotal answer. And the more questions I asked, the more it became obvious to me that Bob didn't know anything about his business. And I was suddenly aware that I did know something. And the thing that I knew is that selling is a system. And I knew that because, interestingly, a long time before that, I was selling encyclopedias door-to-door. And when I learned how to sell encyclopedias door-to-door, I learned how to memorize the system for selling encyclopedias door-to-door. And because I was a musician, memorizing the words was very, very simple for me. And so I realized that Bob didn't have a system. And I said that to Bob. Bob, your problem is you don't have a selling system. He said, what's a selling system? I said, well, that's, that's a fascinating question, but it's simply the process that your salespeople use in order to open and then close the sale. And he said, I've never heard of such a thing. And I said, well, it's obvious because you don't have one. And every single one of your, in quotes, salespeople who are ultimately sales engineers, they had to be engineers, he thought, in order to understand his high-tech product. And they had some sales experience. They're all doing it differently. One to the other. And that don't work. So Bob said to me, well, can you create a selling system for me? And of course, given how I am, sure. 
<laughs> right. So Ace picks me up and he says, so Michael, what happened? I said, well, I'm consulting with Bob to create a selling system for his company. And Ace says, how in the world are you going to do that? You don't know anything about business. You don't know anything about you follow me. And I simply said, well, Ace, you told me I did. And I discovered I did. And that was the beginning. Now, understand, Marco, I was just 40 years of age when that happened. So up to that point in time, I was not interested in business at all. Hmm. I was simply doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. I was just what I call a wandering Jew. You understand? <laughs> I was just looking for what I was here to do. I hadn't found it. And suddenly I'm working with Bob in Ace's ad agency. And I suddenly came to the realization that I knew something that was absolutely critical to Bob's business, but not only to his selling system, but because as I became involved in it, I suddenly realized there was no system for doing anything in Bob's business. There was no management system. There was no marketing system. There were no systems in Bob's business. There were just guys doing the work, doing the work, doing the work. And as I began to do that, I began to work with client number two and client number three and client number four. And each and every one of Ace's clients were in a different kind of business, selling a different kind of product. But every single one of them had identically the same problem. And it came to me that Ace was actually in the wrong business. And the more I came to realize that and the more I stressed that with Ace, the more dissatisfied Ace became with my position and what I was doing. What I was doing was truly having a markedly stunning impact on his client companies. But he wouldn't let me do that with his ad agency. So it became obvious to me that I had to leave. Ace brought a guy in to replace me. That guy's name was Tom Travisano. And I say his name was Tom Travisano because after Tom got to experience what I was doing and how I was doing it, he asked me, so where are you going? And I said, I'm going to start a company to do this. And he said, I want to go with you. <laughs> so, That's great. So Ace lost both of us at the same time. And Tom and I left to create my very first business development firm called the Michael Thomas Corporation. I was Michael, he was Thomas. And the purpose of that company was to transform the state of small business worldwide. That's what we called our dream to transform the state of small business worldwide by inventing the McDonald's of small business consulting services. Why McDonald's? The most successful small business in the world. Because if you could mirror what Ray Kroc did at McDonald's, I don't care what kind of business it is, you could literally transform what you do into something stunningly successful. And that's what we set out to do. Well, McDonald's is literally the poster child of systems. And you've said the word system about... 20 times in this past conversation. 
<laughs> so that just seems to be at the heart and the core of the e-myth, which is the entrepreneurial myth. For those listening to this and wondering, well, what does e-myth stand for? It's the entrepreneurial myth. So before we get to that, I don't want to leave the story just yet. Why did you tell Bob that he was in the wrong business? Did you mean that he was literally in the wrong industry or he was just in the wrong seat in the bus for his business? Well, he was in the wrong seat in the box in his business, but not only that, he simply didn't understand business and he didn't understand the nature of business. Now, understand here I was completely new to the whole conversation about business. But what I was able to see was because I was completely new to the conversation about business. I was able to see that his relationship with his business was extraordinarily dysfunctional. And so I began to ask the question, so what's missing in this picture? And anybody listening to us here, that's the most critical question every single one of you can ask. What's missing in this picture? Now understand that relates to everything. It relates to our marriage. It relates to our relationship with our kids. It relates to our relationship with every single thing we do in our lives. What's missing in this picture? What's missing in this picture? Because the more you begin to ask that question, the more you're going to begin to understand that there is something terribly missing in this picture for everyone. And to the degree you begin to understand that, something happens. And the something that happens is that breakthrough of consciousness that's so exquisite when it does take place because it suddenly simply opens the doors to the unknown in a way that literally transforms the lives of people, no matter who they are, no matter what they do. Real estate investors you talk about, uh, small business owners, students, teachers, professors, doesn't matter what we do. What's missing in this picture is the sum total of the substance of what I learned I was here to do when I began my career and what I've become since that time at the age of 40, which is the author of now over 30 books, all of which talk about the process of transformation in so many different categories in so many different ways. Is your question about what's missing more philosophical or is it really a more tactical type of question? No, it's both. Okay. But understand when you say, is it philosophical or is it tactical? That's one of the most important things that has to be addressed. And that is that the philosophical and the tactical all live within one world. It's not the philosophical and the tactical. It's the philosophical and the strategic and the tactical. And it's all combined into what it means to be alive. And so without the philosophical, there is no e-myth. Without the philosophical, there is no transformation. Without the philosophical, without the psychological, without the sociological, without the immense totality of this, it's not even interesting. It's just work. Right, right, true. So let's dive into the e-myth or the entrepreneurial myth here. Why did you call it? Why is it a myth? 
Well, it's a myth because everybody thinks that anybody who starts their own business is an entrepreneur. So the word entrepreneur is bandied about for everybody. Anybody who's a business owner, anybody who goes off and starts their own company is supposedly an entrepreneur. And 99% of them aren't. 99% of them have simply created a job for themselves. 99% of them have simply gone out to become their own boss. Right. And 99% of them are literally working for a lunatic. <laughs> and so because they're working for a lunatic, you know, what's missing in this picture is just about everything. So you understand when we begin to work with somebody who owns a business, doing it, doing it, doing it, busy, 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 busy. When I talk about transformation, I don't use the word lightly. I literally mean that we are transforming the state of reality between that human being and everything he or she does. And the difference is light years. So the minute you begin to Remove yourself from doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Literally remove yourself. Move your office down the street. Ray Kroc's corporate headquarters for McDonald's was down the street from the very first McDonald's hamburger stand. Ray Kroc didn't have an office in the McDonald's store. Ray Kroc had an office down the street in the headquarters of McDonald's. This was with the first store. So Ray Kroc didn't work in McDonald's. He worked on it. And in the process of doing that, you understand he wasn't doing it, doing it, doing it. He wasn't making a hamburger, making fries, making milkshakes, et cetera, and so forth. It was. And he was viewing it from above. Right. And in the process of that, that removal from everything changes. That was one of my biggest takeaways long ago, Michael, is what you just said, to be working on your business, not in your business. That If I was to remember one and only one thing from the book long ago, that was it. Because I think a lot of people don't even think about it. It's really a blur of working in and on the business. It's one and the same to them. But But when you step back and you look at your business as the separate thing from yourself, it is not you, but something that lives and breathes on its own, then you can have a different mindset. You can take a different approach, broaden your skills and focus on working on building that business and creating the systems to help automate and build that system and scale it, right? Absolutely. And hear me, and it's so, so significant. If you, Marco, weren't sitting there interviewing me right now, and you were sitting in an office and somebody else was sitting there interviewing me in your business, and you're viewing it from a park, everything's changed, everything. You have to be able to acquire that distance. And when you acquire that distance, when I say the transformation is marked, it's huge. You're in a completely new life. So our work with people who own and operate small companies is to get them to have that experience. Once they have that experience, first of all, it's terrifying at the beginning because they haven't a clue how to relate to it. But once they begin to, something so dramatic occurs. And that's why people call me every single day saying, Michael, you changed my life. You changed my life. You trained. I've never been the same. 
It's astonishing. How come nobody told me this? People say to me. So people listening to us here now have to understand how much of their experience is personal, when indeed what we're driving for is an impersonal experience. And to the degree one can begin to have an impersonal experience, one can truly begin to transform the experience of other people by creating a system through which it works. Store number one, store number two, store number three, store number 17, store number 57, store number 3,642, and on and on and on and on. Imagine that. I'm going to parallel everything that you're saying and just say this to the listening audience here. Everything that Michael is saying right now, I really want you to internalize it and think about it from the perspective of being a real estate investor. Because being a real estate investor, and I've said this many times on this podcast, is no different than running and owning your own business. You need to think of it as your own business, treat it as your own business, and run it as your own business. And so the next part that I'm going to get into here with Michael will clarify this. But my point is, is that as you listen to everything Michael is saying, relate that to your investing journey, regardless of whether you're just starting out and you're a newbie or you're a very seasoned real estate investor everything that he's talking about, these principles and concepts as it applies to businesses actually applies to you as a real estate investor because you are running an investing business. It's interesting that you say that because it's obvious that real estate investing is a business, meaning it has all of the component parts of a business. And all of those component parts of that business must operate in a significantly predictable manner. Right. And to the degree it doesn't, that's where everything goes wrong. (laughs) And suddenly Mary doesn't show up to do this and John doesn't show up to do that. Mary didn't even know this had to be done. John didn't even know there was a Mary and so forth and so forth. The whole thing comes and collapses. And so obviously... Everything is a business. My life is a business. Every single thing we do is a business because there is an economic reality to every single thing we do. Yeah, interesting perspective. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean I'm trivializing what we're saying. I'm doing something quite different than that. I'm simply looking at it as a matter of fact. It's economic, it's social, it's relational, it's spiritual, it's philosophical. It's a whole totality of things. And to the degree we're not able to separate from it, to literally see the quadrants and how they meld together into a seamless whole, until we're able to do that, we're missing so, so much. Well said. So here's a big aha that clarified things in the book. So regardless of whether you're a real estate investor or a business owner, a business owner needs to cultivate and balance essentially three roles and three mindsets. And all of them are necessary to run a business or be a successful investor. And you talk about these in the book. So I'm going to just let you talk about them. But what are these three roles? You know, obviously the technician is the first one. And that was my first aha. But what are these three roles you talk about in the book? Can you just define those three people? Well, they're very, very simple. It's the technician, the manager, the entrepreneur. 
The entrepreneur is the creator. The manager is the organizer. The technician is the doer. So the creator, the organizer, and the doer all have a relationship with each other. To the degree the individual who, in quotes, starts the business, we'll call it the real estate investor, doesn't understand herself as an entrepreneur, doesn't understand herself or himself as the creator, becomes obviously the manager. (laughs) But understand, because very few people manage anything, what she absolutely becomes instead is the producer, the doer. She does everything that needs to be done. Her real estate investment depends upon her to do this, to do this, to do this, to do this. Right. If it doesn't work, she tries harder to do this, to do this, and she's doing it all wrong. So the minute you see the real estate investor as an entrepreneur, the creator of an enterprise, you follow me, the creator of an enterprise, the enterprise has a dream, a vision, a purpose, and a mission. The dream is the great result I'm intending to produce. The vision is the form it takes in relationship to real estate investing. The form that real estate investment company takes. Because I'm not going to be doing all kinds of real estate. I'm going to be doing some kind of real estate. Mm -hmm. And within that some kind of real estate, I'm going to be very, very specific about what kind of real estate, where that real estate is going to be, and on and on. So I'm going to define that. Well, that's the vision. Mm -hmm. The purpose is the story underlying my real estate investment enterprise. Now, understand, I call it an enterprise, but that's thinking in a grander scale than most of your real estate investment people do. They have a real estate investment job. Effectively, they might invest in a couple of pieces of real estate as opposed to 20 pieces, as opposed to 100 pieces, as opposed to 3,000 pieces. So effectively, they're not really an enterprise in most cases. Right. But you can see the job from a company of one, Murray's doing it, Mary's doing it, yep. to a company of 1,000. From a company of one to a company of 1,000, and the work we do enables everybody and anybody to literally traverse that gamut from doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, to creating an enterprise that gets it done. Here was my crazy attempt, Michael, to try and map the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur to the life and times and journey of a real estate investor. So I don't know how well I did at this. I just did this this morning, but you tell me if I'm off the mark here. But I also wanted to do this to explain it to myself and to try to have our audience relate to this because I really think everybody should pick up the E-Myth Revisited book and read that. And then you had recommended Awaken the, what was it? The Entrepreneur Within? Awakening the Entrepreneur Within. Which I purchased and I have yet to read, but I, I plan to read it because I know it's going to be a great book. 
So here, here's the way I look at it. The technician, in our case as real estate investors, still being business people, are what I will refer to as the solo investor, much like what you call a solopreneur. And that's the person who starts out fixing and flipping properties. They're all hands-on. They're basically handling virtually everything. And they're likely to self-manage their own properties. But that's the technician. They don't have a team. They're not outsourcing or offloading anything. Then maybe they migrate to a position where, like the manager, they are building a business they buy and self-manage their own properties and they're working in their business. They're self-managing, they're managing the people, they're heavily involved in it. But ultimately they want to get to the entrepreneurial level. And the way I look at that is really what we talk about and teach all the time through the podcast and our team of investment counselors. And that is to be a truly passive real estate investor. And what does that mean? You have a team that is doing everything. You've essentially outsourced everything. You're the owner and you think of yourself as the CEO of the company but you've outsourced everything. So you own or control all your real estate, but you have property managers, attorneys, CPAs. You have every role filled by someone that who is not yourself. You're just profiting from your enterprise of investment properties. Is that a fair mapping of those three? It's absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect. But let's change the word you used, passive. Okay, The entrepreneur is not passive. The entrepreneur is strategic. Mm. So effectively, the entrepreneur has a role, a leadership role, every single day, but in a completely different way than the producers, the doers, than the accountant, than the um, CPA, than the attorney, than the framer, than the plumber, than the et cetera and so forth. But his role, her role, is the significant role that binds all of these people together into an enterprise. In short, she creates the world within which they live. Right. But that's not passive. That's simply a higher form of active. Just like Ray Kroc wasn't passive at McDonald's. The CEO of a major corporation isn't passive in that corporation. They're strategically active in that organization to organ design, build, launch, and grow that organization in a very specific way. It's that specific way and that mindset that I've written about and that we've applied with the hundreds of thousands of small companies we've literally worked with over the years. So that's just another way of saying that you're working on your real estate business, not in your real estate business. You're taking a very, very high level strategic role in conducting and running all the pieces. Of course, because somebody has to. Well, of course, and it's you. It's your business and your empire, and that's why I say it's a business. You got it, yeah. And that's why I call it the difference between a job, a business, in an enterprise. A job is where you're doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. You're doing everything. A business is where you have managers who are managing what those technicians are doing. And an enterprise is where you are the leader of managers who are organizing the business model that you've applied, the brand of investment that you are making the thing that differentiates your company, your investment company from everybody else who's doing it. 
I'm very interested to hear what you're going to say to my next question. And this will help complete the whole concept of the e-myth and your book. And we're really just scratching the surface here. I really would love people to read your books. A typical small business develops across three phases, as you outlined, from infancy to maturity, which only makes sense. But you say that a lot of them, many of them fail before reaching maturity. First of all, why do most businesses fail before they reach maturity? And then whether before or after, describe these three phases that you talk about in your book. Well, they fail to reach maturity because the owner fails to reach maturity. You understand all of this is a product of the mindset of that person I'm calling the entrepreneur. Right. And to the degree the owner doesn't transfer from the doer to the creator and doesn't understand the difference between the two, the company will always consume that individual. And that individual will always be overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Always be overwhelmed. My God, why don't they do what I say? Why don't they do what I tell them to do? I have to do everything myself and on and on and on and on. It's so patently obvious. The minute one has the experience of doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, this is the liberating factor in all of that. That's why my book has had such a profound impact on so many people. And that's why when people read it, they suddenly say, you're talking about me, Michael. In the book, E-Myth Revisited, I'm talking about Sarah. Sarah is the pie maker. And I get people all the time saying, I am Sarah. And saying, no kidding. And that's the problem. But that's also the opportunity. Because you say, when you get this, when you really get this, what I'm saying to you, you can suddenly see the gap between where you are and where you absolutely could be if you're willing to go through the process. Some people work endless hours, 12, 14 hours a day working in their business. They're, they think they're working on their business. And they wear it like a badge of honor when people ask them, you know, how's business? Oh, I'm so busy. Things are great. I, you know, I, I'm working 14 hours a day. You know, I couldn't be happier. And they wear it like a badge of honor. And I actually was in that camp. I used to think that, yeah, things are great because I have this business that I run, a small business, and I'm working like five, six, seven days a week, 10 hours, 12 hours a day. And I thought I was very proud of that. But now I'm looking back and thinking, wow, that's a bunch of crap. I should be embarrassed about that. I really should be saying, hey, I'm working on my business four hours a day because I have a smart team that's better than myself at doing these functions and roles. And now I own a successful business that I only need to spend four hours a day or two hours a day in. But let me correct what you just said. Okay. Because I have a smart team. Hear me. Change that because I have a smart system. Right. The framework. It's the system. It's not the team. It's not people dependent. It's systems dependent. It's how it's done, not who is doing it. Because you can't replace who. You can only replace how. And when you begin to understand that a business becomes people dependent. Right. 
they've got you by the short hairs. Right, right. So this is why you put so much emphasis on systems. Like, I mean, everything is about systems because it's a framework that almost anybody can follow, right? Well, of course, it works. This is why Ray Kroc, you keep using Ray Kroc and McDonald's as, as the example. Of course, it works. So understand, but when I say systems, don't turn it into a technology. No. It's simply a functionality. I have a way of telling this story. You can replicate my way of telling this story. You can tell my story as well as I can tell my story. You can do that by simply reading my book and then reading it again and then reading it again. <laughs> right. My co-author of the Emith HVAC HVAC company, my co-author, Ken Goodrich, he's one of now 19 co-authors we have of 19 vertical books, uh, the Emith Real Estate Investor, the Emith Chiropractor, the Emith Attorney, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ken Goodrich understood the minute he did this, he read it once. He read it 39 times. Hear me. He grew a company from bankruptcy to a 200 million a year HVAC company. He did that by literally following this system step by step by step by step. Literally. So when I say that, I mean that the system is the solution. No, not like that, like this. No, not like that, like this. Now you do it. Now you do it. Now you do it. Now he does it and she does it and he does it and she does it. And holy moly, everybody's doing it. It's our way. Then if you understand the power of that, you understand the secret underlying McDonald's or IBM, name it. So that is the most effective and least painful route to essentially grow, scale, and succeed, not just in business, but in life, in your relationships, whatever you do, swimming, I mean, you name it. <laughs> of course, it's the only way. Yeah, absolutely, makes complete sense. So let's start to wind this down. I don't know if these are your rules for success. These are just things you've said that I believe are rules for success, so we'll only spend a couple of minutes on these. But you mentioned, I've heard you say to be an incredible student. This goes back years ago. This was on a video of yours many, many years ago. I don't know if you still say this, but become an incredible student. I assume what you mean by that is just become a perpetual student and just constantly educate and learn. Well, yes, you're constantly looking at it. Okay. Whatever it may be. And you're asking this question. And I said it earlier, and I'm going to repeat it here. What's missing in this picture? Right. And I'm saying that because I'm not getting or producing optimal results. Nobody is producing optimal results. When I say optimal, I'm meaning optimal. Could you be better at real estate investing? Could you have a better process for selecting real estate to invest in? Could you have a better process for monetizing your real estate investments? Right. Could you have a better process for et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Well, of course you could. Yeah. Well, then everything you see around you, including yourself, is simply waiting to be improved. <laughs> so that's why I say the three critical criteria 
innovation, quantification, orchestration, innovation, continuous improvement, quantification, literally know the numbers, right? and orchestration, turnkey it. So it's very simple. Continually improve it, measure its improvement, and once it is improved, turn it into a system orchestration, and then you own it, and then go to work on that system, improving it, quantify it, and reorchestrate it. And that's the process of business development. And that's process of life development. That's the process of developing anything. I'm listening to everything you're saying with basically two sets of ears, one from being a business owner and running my businesses, but second, as a real estate investor and how I can apply the exact same things that you're talking about to my real estate investing business and journey. Because yes, there's innovation. Absolutely, there's quantification and certainly orchestration because I am overseeing and managing the different parts. Not managing in in the sense of hands-on managing, but keeping track of the income and expenses that are happening with each of my properties in the different markets and dealing with my property managers as they are essentially on the front line managing my assets. So I'm just thinking through this and listening with kind of two sets of ears, and I'm hoping that the audience listening to this is also really having the same takeaways or thoughts, the thought process that I'm having as it relates to real estate investing. So last thing, Michael, I wrote down a couple of notes here. Innovation is a big one. Learning how to communicate. Maybe let me ask you about that. You talk about learning how to communicate. I'm kind of left in the dark on that one. Can you maybe elaborate what you mean by that? Well, learning how to communicate. I I talk about five essential skills. Okay. Everybody. Um, Concentration is the first. Mm. That's my ability to be present. Okay. So that means my ability to be here with you right now, not going there, not going here, not thinking (laughs) about that, not thinking about being here now. Right. Concentration. The second skill is discrimination. If concentration is the ability to focus my attention, then discrimination is my ability to choose what to focus my attention on. Right. Because I can't focus my attention on everything. Right. And so once I am capable of developing my martial art skill of concentration, my black belt of concentration, then I am going to apply it. The third skill is organization. And it's the skill through which I turn chaos into order. Order is a paramount requirement of your real estate investment enterprise. Organization of your real estate investment enterprise is so critical. The fourth skill is innovation. And I call it the best way skill. Mm -hmm. That means you're continually looking for a better way, a better way, a better way, a better way, because you will never know the best way. And finally, communication, which is what we started, which means the process through which I'm capable of engaging with another Mm -hmm. for the purpose at hand. Mm. Understand I said for the purpose at hand, because I'm never engaging with another for all purposes. I'm engaging with another for the purpose at hand. And so if I'm able to concentrate, discriminate, organize, and innovate, how I think about the purpose at hand 
that can actually organize my communication with everyone. Right. Into categories of communication that I can go to work on and improve. I didn't do that well. I could do that better. I didn't do that well. I could do that better. I didn't do that well. I could do that better. I can tell, uh, say that about my communication with my wife. I can say that with my communication with an investor. I can say that with my communication with a client. I can say that you follow me. Yeah. And so I can begin to organize my relationships, my client relationships, my wife relationship, my partner relationship, into categories of relationship, each of which call for communication. And I can go to work on that communication and improve upon it. So that takes us back to this conversation about being a student. Right. I'm simply a student of life. Yeah, I love that. I love that saying. You follow me? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure all of that leads to better clarity and focus, and I'm sure less stress. I could have done that better. I could have done that better. I could have done that better. What's missing in this picture? I wasn't here when I did that. I wasn't there when I said that. I didn't think about her when I was in that conversation. I was thinking about something else. And and I'm sure that's in an effort to strive for excellence, not perfection, because you can never achieve perfection. You'll just drive yourself crazy. Yeah, that's why I say it's never the best way. It's a better way. A better way. Perfect. Yeah, not the best way, a better way. There is no perfect relationship. None. Not even my relationship with God. There is no perfect relationship. And so given that I know I'm human, then I'm going to give up the possibility of having a perfect relationship with myself, let alone with you or with anyone. Yeah. But I can improve upon it and it becomes a system. Yeah. What's a system? It's simply a way we do it. Right. (laughs) That's all the system is. This is how I do it here. This is how I do it here. This is how I do it here. So every single one of the folks listening to us, every single one of the folks listening to us can get a really clear taste of this. I've spoken to you about our school. Yeah, I want to I end with that. So if you want to bring it up now, go for it. Yeah, well, we call it Radical You. Radical because it is radical. You because it's about you. But it's also a university. Yep. And it's the University of Creativity. It's a university of growth. It's a university of scale. It's a university of opportunity, which traverses what I call the eightfold path. So understand every single one of the folks who are listening to us, there's a process for all of this. We call it the eightfold path. I'll tell you what the eight steps in the eightfold path are. A dream, a vision, a purpose, a mission, a job a practice, a business, an enterprise. I have a dream. I have a vision. I have a purpose. I have a mission. I have a job. I have a practice. I have a business. I have an enterprise. From step one to step eight. And it's all a hierarchy of steps. Mm -hmm. So I don't start with the job. I start with the dream. The dream is the great result I intend to produce. So now I'm in the real estate investment business, and I want to create a great result. What is that great result? Mm -hmm. 
Now, once I understand what the great result is, I want to transform the state of small business worldwide. That was our dream. That is our dream. In order to transform the state of small business worldwide, I have to transform the state of entrepreneurship worldwide. And once I've transformed the state of small business worldwide and entrepreneurship worldwide, we will inevitably transform the state of economic development worldwide, which means that every single solitary human being on the planet can awaken the entrepreneur within. I have a dream. I have a vision. I have a purpose. I have a mission. I have a job, a practice, a business, an enterprise. Step one through step eight. And every single step you take, you can take at Radical U. And you can join Radical U. Now get this, Marco, for $10. That's it. You can join us for one whole year, 52 weekly sessions on video that will walk you through the process of discovering your dream, your vision, your purpose, and your mission in year one for $10. That's a steal of a deal. You have far underpriced it. (laughs) Well, when somebody said to me, so how much we're going to charge for it? I said $479.40. And that's what the price has been for a year. Yeah. And then I decided, hell with it. Let's give it away. Yeah. And see what happens. But then somebody said, you can't give it away. You got to charge them something. How much? I said, okay, $10. So every single one of you who are listening to this lunatic here, (laughs) I'm saying to you, you can join us for $10 one time, and you'll understand what your dream, your vision, your purpose, and your mission are. I don't care what business you're in. Well, you should easily 100x that investment from the content of your program, if not 1,000 or 10,000 times that investment. So you're crazy not to spend the $10 on yourself to educate yourself. So that's incredible. You told me about it two weeks ago when we had our conversation and I signed up immediately. So, and I'm just starting to get into it. It's very good. It's very well produced. I love it. So Michael, this has been brilliant tons of great content. This has been thought provoking. And I'm sure people listening to this are now thinking about it, not just from a business perspective, but from a real estate investing business perspective. And that's really what I wanted them to take away from it. So for those that, you know, haven't read the E-Myth, absolutely should read it. The E-Myth Revisited is actually the one I'm thinking of specifically. And Awakening the Entrepreneur Within, I think would be a good follow-up to that, right? Absolutely. Okay. Michael, how can people reach out to you, not you specifically, but your organization, the Radical U is Radical U, the letter U.com, right? The easy way is 2020.radicalu.com. 2020.radicalu.com. And you're in. Okay. And that means you're immediately in Radical U. Okay. We're going to drop that in the show notes and the transcript. We'll also have links to michaelgerber.com and all you know your other properties so people can easily find your stuff. And of course, Amazon, the world's biggest bookseller, obviously has all 20 some books of yours. So that's not a problem there either. Any final comments, Michael, before we close it off here? Well, just remember what Marco said. Marco said the one takeaway from the book that has never left his mind is go to work on it not in it. And I'm saying to every single one of you, go to work on your life, not in your life. 
Go to work on your life, not in your life. And your entire relationship with your life will be completely transformed. Trust me in that. Just try it. It'll blow your mind. Michael, thank you so much for your contribution and your time today. I really appreciate it. My delight, Marco. Thank you. Thanks. Well, that was incredibly enlightening. And I was really looking forward to having Michael on the show. He is someone I actually look up to. And I say that because I've read his book. Actually, I think there was two books that I read many, many years ago. And it really helped transform my mindset, much like what Rich Dad, Poor Dad did in terms of how I looked at things from a financial perspective. So anyway, I hope you got a lot out of this particular episode. And if you did, great. Leave us a rating and review. I would greatly appreciate that. As you know, I always read the comments and the ratings and reviews that you guys leave, and I greatly appreciate that. So I always say thanks in advance for that. Just in wrapping this up here, if you are interested in what we do here behind the curtain as an investment company, specifically with real estate investing, although there are other things that we have going on as well as notes, investing, promissory notes, and a few other types of investments that we don't kind of put on the public face. But regardless, just go to noradarealestate.com and you can just click on the contact form and set up a strategy session with one of our investment counselors. And they can help you in mapping out a roadmap to help you build your real estate investing enterprise. And that way you can be a strategic, passive real estate investor, as we talked about on this episode. And that is pretty much it. Remember to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. We are putting out more than one episode per week at this point in time. And I am answering questions as we go. So that is it for today. Thanks for listening. I will see you all on our next episode. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.